Hey, Jenna. Hi, guys. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Awesome, awesome. All right. So we got this working. No no (laughs) issues today. Um, Good. So everybody, um, thank you for coming and watching the show, The Art of Mindful Medicine, an introduction to our health and wellness practitioners. We obviously, of course, here have Dr. Jenna back on. because I was unable to, unfortunately, I was unfortunately unable to save what we had done last time. So she was um, doing it again. Beautiful <laughs> enough to come back on and um, share some of her time with us again. Um, so we're going to go through some of her story again, and then talk about a few of the things that we talked about last time. But then I really want to get into more um, of everybody's questions from here mm-hmm. and from last time, uh, specifically about chiropractic care. Um, so. Let me do a quick intro of Dr. Jenna again. Uh, Dr. Jenna is a chiropractor who received her graduate degree at the State University of New York at Binghamton and a doctorate from Life University. She's completed postgraduate training in pediatrics through the ICPA, which is the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, and is certified in the Webster Technique. Dr. Jenna has earned the Women Empowerment Award for Community Impact and owns her private practice here in Plantation, Florida. Um, and of course, I am Dr. Seth Gilson. I'm a bi- biological dentist, certified yoga teacher, speaker, and coach, and your host of this show. So, um, Dr. Jenna, like we always do, please uh, let us know three things that you are grateful for today. You got it. Top three things right now. Number one, you know, is going to be my baby. I mm-hmm. just had a baby in April, and he brings so much joy and happiness mm-hmm. to my life. Um, number two is going to be my husband because he's actually who we need to thank for filming this again because he's he's on baby duty right now. Um, but he's extremely supportive and he's the calm amidst all of the craziness in that in my life and that I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is my team because I was able to take a three month maternity leave mm-hmm. and without them, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I am extremely grateful for them and I'm throwing a fourth in there. Um, I'm grateful for our family's health because Beautiful. without that. You've got nothing. Exactly. Exactly. I'm 100% with you on that one. <laughs> um, so thank you for that. Um, I, 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 really, I always appreciate gratitude and um, hearing what everybody's grateful for in, in this moment. Um, but if you can go back a little bit down memory lane, tell us a little bit about you, your personal story again, personal life growing up, where you're from, your family's from, all those types of things. Sure. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a town called Long Beach. It was a beach town. Lots of fun to grow up in. Mm. Um, I ended up working as, well, I went to Binghamton University and got my Bachelor of Science in Biological Anthropology. Beautiful. And then, yep. And then went on to, I worked as a fitness trainer at New York Sports Club and then backpacked around Europe for a while and then moved to Atlanta to go to chiropractic school at Life University. Mm Mm-hmm. After that, I moved to Pennsylvania to the Pocono Mountains where I would ski and hike during my weeks, but I accepted an associate position in a high volume family practice where I really got my hands on a ton of people early on and learned lots of information about how to work with pregnant pediatrics and uh-huh. family wellness patients. Beautiful. And did that for three years before backpacking around Asia for four months. Oh, so backpacking my... twice. Look at that. Okay. Yes. I'm a backpacker. I, I like to travel. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> been all over the world, thankfully, and um, moved down here to South Florida to be closer to where my family relocated mm-hmm. and have been down here for about, I think it's nine years now, and have been in private practice for the last eight and a half years and started out as just a coverage doctor where you'd hired me per diem to come in and take care of patients in your practice, mm-hmm. then moved on to being an independent contractor where I rented space in another practitioner's office 
starting to build my practice as I made a name for myself down in the South Florida community. Mm-hmm. And then um, eventually did the build out of the practice that I'm in now and now have associates that have worked with us um, that I was lucky enough to be mentors to and have a great phenomenal team. And that brings us to today. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> so the, the, the backpacking, that, that's an awesome hobby that I, I know quite a few people have done. I unfortunately have not. Um, where, where in Europe did you, did you backpack? So in Europe, where did I go? Jesus, so many years ago already. Can you believe it? Um, where did I go? Paris, Barcelona, Nice, Monaco, Pisa, Rome, Florence, Venice, Jesus. Budapest, Munich, Berlin, Amsterdam, back to Paris, Beautiful. then back home. And then Asia, where, was, where did you go there? Asia was Korea, Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, Singapore, Sri Lanka, India, back to Korea, and then back home. That's awesome. That's, that must have been really amazing culturally. Um, oh yeah, that was Asia was a big culture shift. That I'm not gonna lie about. So what, <laughs> what was like, like what was the biggest shock you uh, culture India. shock of being there? India, India, 100. Okay. percent And and what what was it about it that? So when you're backpacking, like I, I traveled with my best friend on that trip, my best uh-huh. friend Lonnie. She was teaching English in Korea. Um, her contract was up, and I had left my position in Pennsylvania, and we had nothing but time. <laughs> and um, I flew out there, and we did this trip together. India is its is its own world because we, when you're backpacking, like we had no money, we were spending. I'm telling you that we would spend sometimes five or ten American dollars a night to stay in a place. And you know, in Vietnam, sometimes we find some really nice places with air conditioning, private yeah. bathroom for, yeah. for ten dollars a night. Wow! I mean, it was amazing. In India, when you're spending that amount of money, it's it was pretty gross. Some of the places we stayed in, like we stayed in places with, cause we didn't want to spend any money. Yeah. We weren't even spending money on air conditioning in the summer. Like uh, we were roughing it. Wow. I mean, I could tell you some pretty crazy stories. It was, it was beautiful, but it, I don't know that I'm, I'm not built for that trip anymore. Like now <laughs> when I travel, I want to stay in like the W or like a nice place. Like, I'm not backpacking anymore. I, I did that, but I could totally awesome, see you doing that. Like, I think that you would love that experience. I, pretty sure I would actually. Um, so, so what was uh, one of the most impactful memories you have from that? From, I guess one from Europe and one from, from Asia. I would the most impactful memory mm-hmm. is, I don't know that it's impactful for um, my life as a whole, but the thing that stands out the most <laughs> is I, so people in um, Ver, Ver, oh, I can't even remember this, you know, I have pregnancy brain coupled with the fact that this was many years ago. In Varanasi, it's where the Ganges River is, and it's extremely holy. Like, mm-hmm. people, um, they're buried there. There's funeral pyres. I mean, it was pretty incredible. I was mm-hmm. this close to bodies that get wrapped in all these um, special cloths, and then they, they float them down the Ganges, mm-hmm. and then they burn them, and you can stand this close to them. It's this, like, spiritual religious ceremony. Wow. And in the Ganges River, people go there to make what's called puja, which is like a, a religious ritual ceremony where they they'll, people travel from all over and they go in the waters. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that they're loaded in fecal matter, like really, really high content of bacteria. Yeah. So my friend and I, we were down for doing all of the things that you're supposed to do, except for that one. We were like, we're not going to make puja. Like, we'll go take a boat ride through the Varanasi, but we are not submerging in this, okay? Yeah. This was the end of our trip. We, we, yeah, we had been traveling for four months with a backpack, never in a place more than maybe three nights, except for one place. On, I mean, we really were roughing it. Mm -hmm. And um, I had negotiated this rate because everything you you bargain for, right? You don't pay full price there. Mm -hmm. I had negotiated this rate with some other foreigners. We were going to share a boat with them, 
and and travel and they were about to take off and I was walking to go meet them and I was looking out at the boat not paying attention and I stepped off the dock into the Ganges River oh man but (laughs) you know how like their waters raise like in tides lower Uh so I didn't step into water I stepped into like this muck it was disgusting and my feet were stuck in it and I was wearing flip-flops and so the boat handlers had to lift me out of it. And then I refused to put my hand in and they had to grab my flip flop out of it. But the best part is that when I stepped out back onto the dock, I stepped on something sharp and I had an open cut in the bottom of my foot. And I was like, I am oh going to die of sepsis uh, yeah. from this puja that I didn't want to make. <laughs> and um, we went back to our hotel, hostel, whatever you want to call it, um, which had like rat duty on the floor like we were we were bare bones backpacking it okay it was pretty gross yeah and i'm like okay i just need to take a shower and get myself clean i'll be okay go to turn the shower on there's no water running oh my god i yelled down to the guy this isn't like you pick up the phone and get the front desk i yelled down to the guy there's no water here and he said you have to wait for the water cooler tower on the roof to refill and i'm like how long does that take (laughs) when it rains and he said could be all day and i'm like (laughs) Literally for four months, we had been backpacking. I was done. I was tired. I was ready to go home. And I was just, I was like, I I can't. So I was pouring bottled water on it. And we had, we got our noses um, pierced in India. So I had a little bottle of rubbing alcohol. And I just started pouring it in my open wound. And I was praying like, please don't let me die of sepsis (laughs) from coming to India. And that's my most memorable (laughs) story. It made a big impact. Yeah, I bet. I bet so. So, so you uh, did you learn your lesson the second time around when you went to Asia? Yeah, pay attention <laughs> to everything. Look down. <laughs> yeah, right. Just look where you're walking. Um, oh, man. So shifting a little bit. Um, so what what inspired you to to enter the health and medical field then? So I I'm I'm not in the medical field. I am in the health field. Mm-hmm. I don't have a medical degree, but mm-hmm. I do work alongside medical providers. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted something in the health field. So I had worked as a fitness trainer. I had considered going to medical school, but to me, it felt like, you know, being a lot younger, that it seemed like it was a forever process. You go to school, then you have your residency, your fellowship, and then you could finally get into practice. And that Mm -hmm. just seemed like a really long time for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was kind of not loving that idea. Um, And I was between becoming a physician's assistant, I considered physical therapy, and also chiropractic. And I had two family members and a friend who all were chiropractors. They seemed to love what they do. They were all doing well, living a nice lifestyle. I said, you know what? That seems cool. You don't have to work under somebody else's license. And mm-hmm. uh, you get to be in the health and wellness field. Yeah. So, excuse me, at the time, I didn't really understand what it was all about. But I made the decision to go. And about halfway through my program, the first half, I really struggled because I didn't really understand what chiropractic was about. Other than that, people felt good after they went, but I mm-hmm. didn't really get the philosophy or the why behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a challenge. But then once I once I figured it all out, everything kind of clicked, and uh, here we are today. Makes sense. That's beautiful. Uh, thanks everybody for joining in. I see a few people just joined in with um, <clears throat> myself and Hi, Dr. Alina. Jenna. <laughs> um, and then so so. Not, not, there was not one thing that like led you just to di- directly to chiropractic. It was just um, a sequence of events where you just were kind of ruling out what you didn't didn't want to do, and, that, and that's what uh, led you or gravitated you towards that, I guess. I wish I had my own personal miracle story with it. <laughs> um, I didn't, because there's lots of people who I've helped achieve that or watched achieve that through my practice, and there's mm-hmm. lots of my colleagues who have had life changing moments through it. It wasn't like that for me. 
Um, but nonetheless, I, I still chose and I'm really happy I did. Yeah, which is perfectly fine as well. Um, so, so in practice right now, um, what, what would you say is the most common issue that you're finding with people to come to see you? Wow. Um, I would say right now, stress mm-hmm. and anxiety. Yeah. There's a lot of that, especially considering like the general climate of what's going on with, in spite of a, during a global, a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. So people's stress levels are higher than they've ever mm-hmm. been. And I'm talking about on all three fronts, fronts, this is chemical, physical, and emotional. Most people for a while were like locked in their homes, um, there's general, there's just fear all around. Like mm-hmm. it's, even if you're keeping your distance and doing, or, or out fully in the public, doing whatever you think is right, you know, when you're out and you see everybody's masked up, it's just like, it's, it's a mind shift for mm-hmm. you to see that. I, I got to be honest for me, like, it's a little scary. It's yeah. like, what's going on? Well, I mean, it, back, I mean, at any other point in time, when if you, if somebody walked into a mask or with a mask into a grocery store or any other store, everybody would be looking at them like, what is this person wearing a mask for? Now, it's if someone isn't wearing a mask, everybody looks at him like, what is this person not wearing a mask for? So, yeah, I mean, it's so a complete it's, shift. Like, it's a total 180. Yeah, so you've got, you've got that emotional piece. And then if, if, God forbid, you're watching the news, you've really got the emotional <laughs> stress is, like, really, really high up there. And, I mean, it's, we all need to be informed. But then there's another thing of, like, fear-mongering. And mm-hmm. it's another conversation for another day. But um, so you've got and, and then people that are genuinely and legitimately actually getting sick and have family members that are affected. Me personally, regardless mm-hmm. of your viewpoints about oh, wait, going into someone wrote going into a bank. Yeah, now with exactly. I don't even I mean, think you can go in the bank. You have to make a special appointment and do it as drive through. You know, oh, I, just, I, I, you know, I don't even know. So there, that's again, that's another stress, right? You need time management yeah. and, and scheduling things. Whereas in our day to day lives before we never had to do that. Mm-hmm. So you've got your chemical stresses. People are when eating more junk, like. You know, you freshman 15, people are putting on their quarantine 15, like <laughs> chemical, physical and emotional stresses way higher than ever. Mm-hmm. There's rioting, there's looting, there's yeah. killer hornets. I mean, <laughs> what's happening next? <laughs> so I would say the most common thing that we're seeing now is is a lot of increased anxiety and, and insomnia on people. It's also affecting digestive issues, things like constipation, just mm-hmm. because everybody's everything's so tight which in turn often leads to more body pains as well. But that's really mm-hmm. a small portion of what I work with. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, beyond the most common issue, like what, what were some of the most significant overall health issues that you've seen like for, um, with people, whether, whether it's just um, strictly chiropractic or something else going on systemically? Yeah, I mean, constipation is a huge one for mm-hmm. people. And I see that a lot in kids also because I work with adults um, and kids as well. Mm-hmm. Sleep issues for people, big time. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, remember, stress affects everything in the body. And there's good stress, there's eustress, and there's distress, right? We need, we need stress. It's not a bad thing, but certain kinds of stress, right? Stress mm-hmm. is going to push us and motivate us to meet our deadlines, mm-hmm. to get up and do things. If someone's cutting you off, it's going to cause you to make a split decision on how to save your life, yeah. right? If you're being attacked, stress is going to cause you to respond. But on the day-to-day that's not where we want to be operating from. And so when we have those high stress levels, our body's releasing and producing more cortisol. Um, and then people, like we said before, are eating not so great foods. Now their inflammatory mm-hmm. levels go up. And then mm-hmm. this is where we start to see more disease, mm-hmm. diagnosable diseases in the body happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but so sleep issues, constipation, um, you name it. Back. Listen, people are working from home. They're sitting on the computer all slouched mm-hmm. up. So you've got your neck pain and your back pain, which is what most people think about going to the chiropractor for. But again, a small portion of what we actually do. 
Headaches is a big one, blood pressure issues for people. Mm -hmm. And this is not a treatment for any of those things. And we'll talk a little bit um, today about how it affects those yeah. things. It's just about improving the overall body functioning. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we're definitely going to get the, some, some of those questions about those um, specific things. And it's not like, it's just like an end all cure. Like you, you just go to a chiropractic appointment one time and like, you're never going to have a migraine again, something like that. I mean, there, there's yeah. an actual course to treatment. Um, you got it. <laughs> like I did, I had to actually do more than one workout and I still don't have six pack abs, <laughs> you know, but it's funny when it comes to chiropractic, like there's this for most people. And I would say it's probably most people who haven't been under care at the chiropractor's office before. Most people in our 2020 society have an immediate expectation when it comes to the health field. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a fair expectation, but it's not wrong where they're coming from because most of us have been trained. You know, when you take a pill or you have a surgery, there, there should be an immediate and significant shift mm -hmm. of the symptom. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily treating the cause of the problem. Exactly. And see, so with chiropractic, we're looking to find what is the cause. And that's not something that goes away in one visit. It's mm -hmm. like we, you have to eat more than one salad and do more than one workout to get your goal weight. Exactly. And Same for thing. the most, I mean, most part, obviously, from my view, it's a, it's a complete lifestyle change. And, and um, it's not just one or two things. It's you. It's a cumulative effect of all the different little small things that you do in life um, that create health. So. Totally. Um, I was recently at a conference where they were showing the, the people that had the greatest effects of change being under chiropractic care were people who are under care more than five years. And so it's, it's funny because if you don't understand the premise behind chiropractic and the philosophy of how it all works, you would think that if, if a patient, if someone is seeing a chiropractor for five years and they're still going, what the heck's wrong with that chiropractor? Why mm -hmm. haven't they fixed the problem yet? But the shift is that most people are going for wellness care, mm -hmm. right? It's a salutogenic model of health where mm -hmm. it's not treating disease. It's about creating more, <clears throat> allowing for a better functionality in the body. Yeah. And that's an ongoing process for our entire life. Mm -hmm. No, that's beautiful. Um, and I, I completely agree with you. Um, we we kind of live in a society now where instant gratification is what everybody's kind of looking for. Um, but that's just not how general improvement of overall health and life work. <laughs> um, I it, wish it did. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm like, you know, it's frustrating when I always use weight loss because I find that that's the thing that most people can relate to. Yeah, because you can see um, it very easily. Yeah, so. and a lot of people struggle with it. Why? Because we've got highly inflammatory foods. We've mm -hmm. got pesticides. I mean, again, these are other conversations that I'm sure you're having with everybody <laughs> else. We're not going to go down the rabbit hole there today, but it's, it's, we have really high stress levels and so it affects functionality and these mm -hmm. are not things when you're making poor lifestyle choices repetitively longer term, it, they take just as long to undo. Yeah, it takes a toll. I mean, if you, if we lived, say I'm 35. So, I mean, if I lived the first 35 years of my life, one way eating and doing these not so great things that don't really promote health or, or the best me it's, it's not going to get fixed in a, a matter of weeks or months. It's just, that's just not how things work in life. Um, it's you got certainly it. not how the body works. So, but the cool part is that if you start to make the change, as you know, today, you can affect the trajectory, oh, like you change the trajectory of that yeah. health outcome. Oh yeah. Really you, cool. You definitely feel the difference very, very soon in that whole transition, but the, the overall effect, um, mm -hmm. and that, that, um, that creation of, of health is, isn't going to come to its full fruition until potentially years later. Um, totally. It just and really you, depends what you do and how you do it. So 
Exactly. And you use the word feel. And I like that because most people, most people relate to their health, will, will base their health solely on how they feel. Like if mm-hmm. I'm feeling good, I'm healthy. Yeah. If I'm having pain and I'm not feeling good, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. You can feel a certain way or not and not be functioning at your best. Mm-hmm. Right. Pain, pain isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's mm-hmm. oftentimes a way that our body's letting us know something's going on exactly. or to bring, bring awareness to something. And sometimes like if you work out and you feel pain after, well, that's your body um, ripping down the muscle tissue to to build up more muscle tissue. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like a good thing. But yet people are so opposed to having like to feeling or experiencing these pains and will base their health solely on how they feel. And that's where it really gets dangerous because you could be feeling okay and be poorly functioning. Mm-hmm. Take, for example, like the person who's running marathons, eating a healthy, clean lifestyle and doing in, in the public's view, like really healthy and boom, heart attack. Mm-hmm. Like what happens there? There's, there's, so we can't, we ought to be really careful about solely basing our health on how we feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and especially how we look. Oh yeah. So, well, looking good and feeling good and functioning well are not all the same. <laughs> no, definitely not. You, you want to have all three of them. Yeah. The trifecta. <laughs> um, so, so in the work that you do, what are the, the moments that bring you the most fulfillment and joy? So the most fulfillment and joy is when I get to work with pregnant moms and when I get to work with babies. Mm-hmm. I, um, and this has always been a thing that I loved. Kids, they're just, adults are cool, but kids are a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, they're just pure and innocent. They will tell you, like, you look fat today, or I don't like that. <laughs> and an adult would be more mindful about it, you know, but like, Kids are just so pure and they're a lot of fun. So I love working with them. And it's very special when you get to be a part of a family's birth process Mm -hmm. Um, and watching, helping that mom achieve her birth plan, whatever it is, um, and then taking care of her in that fourth trimester, that postnatal time, Mm -hmm. which is just as important. And having, helping her have the best outcome, not only for herself, but for her spouse, her partner, her family, Mm -hmm. and and her children live a healthier freer lifestyle yeah I, no that's beautiful and i mean especially now being a new mom that that <laughs> process and the, the whole experience ha- has to have a whole new meaning for you um and, yeah. and shifting a little bit to mindfulness so so how has um the meaning of mindfulness changed for you since throughout this whole process and now being a new mom so um i'm a very action-driven person mm-hmm. i am not one who lives in the moment <laughs> I'm very go, 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 no matter how much I've tried. I'm, very, I'm also very self-aware. So I've tried to <laughs> Well, you learned your lesson from breathe. Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do all those things. Hi, Art by Thomas. What's and, up, Thomas? Um, <laughs> it hasn't always been easy for me. But, you know, I took three months maternity leave. And mm-hmm. the longest that I was ever out of my, my business that I built was maybe two and a half weeks max. That was really a challenge for me because I also needed to be very present. I have this new human being that's relying on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm breastfeeding. And so, you know, I feed on demand. Like <laughs> this kid like lives in the moment. Yeah. If I wake him up in the middle of the night and he sees that ceiling fan, he's like hysterical smiling at that thing. <laughs> and like he, that's living in the moment. And I've, I've always struggled to do that. So I've been forced to kind of slow down because I have to pay attention to what does my baby need, which makes me pay a little more attention to what do I need. Mm-hmm. So it's really brought you to the present moment, which yeah. is beautiful. I mean, that, that's, what, that's what life's all about. Um, yeah. And, and what, what are some of the ways that you incorporate mindfulness into your daily life 
Um, even if it's before, before having the baby, what were some of the things that you practiced? So I, my favorite thing before I got pregnant was actually hot yoga. Mm -hmm. I, and I hate sweating. So that's really funny. Patty, I agree with you. She said kids are amazing amazing teachers teachers, and it never changes. (laughs) Everyone tells me that, you know, and I can see that, but, um, I really got into hot yoga and I was surprised because I hate sweating. But I loved it. And mm-hmm. I was actually pretty bummed that I couldn't go during pregnancy. It's not recommended to be in that high heat for mm-hmm. that. Um, so I stopped going. And I, I liked that because it worked my mind and my body. And it was breath work coupled with exercise. But it also, it let me shut my mind off. So mm-hmm. my mind, I feel like, never stops. And I, that's a challenge and a struggle for me. What I find is whenever I'm doing something repetitive, in motion for a long period of time, that's when I can shut my mind. So Mm -hmm. for example, when I lived up in Pennsylvania and it was the winter, I would go skiing by myself. I would bring my headphones and listen to music and just listen to the same song on repeat, which probably would drive someone else crazy. But for me, the first couple of times I listen, I'm singing all the lyrics in my head and I'm Uh into it. But because it was the same thing over and over again, it was like kind of like a chant, right? I I stopped paying attention to it. And because I was moving my body, because being still, I, I mean, I'm talking to a yogi here. I know I'm supposed uh-huh. to be still, but it's not. A, no, it's that. It's, it's that, really a challenge that, for me. There's different types of meditation, um, but movement meditation is very common. Um, yeah. Driving meditation. <laughs> I mean, you can you can be actively doing things, but like you said, your mind eventually you, it just kind of goes into autopilot, and you can just be completely in the moment, and that that's beautiful. I mean, I've, I'm not big on skiing. I've never um, gone skiing, but I can imagine that would be very, very intense um, in the moment practice, so. Totally, and you know, when I, when I lived in the mountains, I would also go hiking when it was nicer weather out, and same thing, I would listen to the same song on repeat, I would always take the same trail, so I didn't have to think about it, and one day when I was on there, I'm minding my business, and I go by myself. In fact, my dad gave me a taser one time to take with me, he's like, you don't know what's, who's waiting for you in the mountain. I'm like, it's fine, dad, I'm not taking the taser. True story. But um, I was, you know, I'm in the zone. I think I was listening to like Lauren Hill on repeat. And all of a sudden I look up and there is a baby black bear very close to me. And if you're near a baby, uh-huh. that means you're near a mama. Yes. You don't want to be near that. Exactly. And I just, you know, I'm not paying attention because my mind is tuned out and I was like, Oh, and I looked at the bear and I just started backing away where I was far away enough. And I started running back down the hill until Mm -hmm. I ran into another person. I needed support. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So sometimes I I have been too in the zone for my own good. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. Um, And how about in practice? What are some of the things you do in practice that of incorporating mindfulness? Sure. So we do a lot of things about um, positive mindset. So like we train our team whenever you walk through the door that there's this imaginary um, plant right outside or or garbage can and you can leave all your baggage, leave all your you know what behind. Mm -hmm. You can choose to pick it back up when you leave. That's on you. But the the rule is that, you know, once you enter this doorway into our space, Mm -hmm. you can't have that with you. It's not fair to the, the patients and the people that are paying money to make a positive change in their life for us to bring anything but positive energy to the table. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing we do is we leave, we leave our stuff behind, again, available for pickup when we want, if we want. Um, but when that door opens, we say out loud, today is a great day. Mm-hmm. And we use it as a check-in, not only for ourselves, and it's also like we listen in. There have been other team members, they walk in and they're like, today is a great day. And I'll call them in my office like, what's up? 
And sometimes there's something really heavy going on and maybe they're not able to bounce out of it for that day. And mm -hmm. they need to take a personal day. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, you got to do that because you can't show up unless you're at your best. Yeah, um, And th most people, what we talk about is like if you've ever done any Tony Robbins work, it's change your state. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, go back outside, shake it off, take a walk up the street, come back mm -hmm. and do it again. Most people are able to kind of regroup because what you focus on expands. Mm -hmm. And so if you're focusing on that positivity, you can move into that headspace. And the, I would say the top thing that, that our patients report back is that there's a special energy about our space. And that's why they like to come there. It's not just for the adjustment. Mm -hmm. The adjustments are, are great too, but it's, it's, it's about being in a positive, energetic space because that's how you heal. Yeah, and I can definitely attest to that. I mean, I, I know I've been to your office quite a few times. And everybody there is extremely positive, extremely sweet, and um, uh, and, and very mindful of, of what's going on. You're always acknowledged um, when, as soon as you walk in and when you're leaving by, if not everyone, at least a few people that are, that are there. Um, so so it, it's very much the case, and um, I, for one, definitely uh, do appreciate that. So, And th that's the thing. Most people, like, throughout your day, if you really think about it, how many people are looking you in the eye, greeting you, and saying your name? In our office, right now it's a weird time, but in our office we hug our patients. Mm -hmm. um, so the, we have different protocols going on right now as far as touch and, and di yeah. social distancing and all of those course. kinds of things. But that's part of the healing process. You know that there's a lot of people in their life that nobody touches them mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a positive way. Like yeah. Some people are never getting a hug. Some people aren't getting a smile. Some people are not getting any positivity or love. Yeah. And that is so necessary for healing and health and well-being absolutely it's 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 integral to to our our, our psyche and, and our um our, our mental health for sure i mean we're we're community beings i mean we're supposed to be mm -hmm. um, with people communicating with people interacting with people touching feeling like you said hugging i mean i, I think that's beautiful um the, so what so what a crazy time right we're supposed mm -hmm. to stay in isolation <laughs> Yeah. Not and, see a smile. Yeah. And, and that, no that's touch, why people, right? a lot of people are having a hard time. Yeah. So. so that's why we talk about those stress levels going up, especially in the emotional realm. Yeah. And then not, and then people holding onto it, not knowing how to release that, um, mm -hmm. that, that emotional tension that gets, uh, just held in the body. And that's where, um, and again, these time, these things can take time, but that's how, um, disease is created in the body. So. Right. So we talk about in chiropractic, it creates dis-ease, which is a lack of ease and affects functionality in the body, which long-term dis-ease can become diagnosable diseases and issues. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at things from a proactive, well, we don't have to do anything, actually. We can choose to look yeah. at things from a proactive standpoint and make the change now, mm -hmm. or we can look at things from a reactive standpoint and make the change in a crisis. And it's a lot harder to clean up the pieces. Mm -hmm from a crisis. I mean, look even at what's going on now. The people who have comorbidities tend to be the people who have a lower likelihood of surviving mm -hmm. from any kind of critical illness. Yeah. And so you don't want to wait till they're like, okay, here's your diagnosis. And, but it happens all the time. Like patients coming in, okay, they diagnosed me with cancer, X, Y, Z, you name it. What do yes. I do now? And this is why we have to have these conversations well before that because we talked about this last time. The body whispers, mm -hmm. and if we get really good at listening, we can hear that. Yeah. Right? Exactly. We, can, we can listen to the whispers and make the changes then. Yeah. And if we don't hear the whispers, our body will start to speak to us. Mm -hmm. But we've got our educated brain as adults, and we can, we can push through that. Yeah. Never mind that. I got this. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is if we do that long enough, the body starts screaming at us. Yeah. And that's where we're in crisis mode, and that's when our choices are things more like drugs and surgery. And there's a time and a place for those. 
from an emergency standpoint, but I think that there's, that's not a lifestyle choice. Mm -hmm. No, I, I completely agree with you. I have very, very similar conversations with patients. Um, obviously, when it comes to oral health and things like that, but I, I mean, there's several links to um, systemic and of systemic and oral health um, playing off of each other when it, whether it's uh, inflammation or, or whatever the, the root cause is. But it, I think being proactive and preventative medicine is far more beneficial than, like you said, being reactive to, um, yeah. to something that's going on in the body. And I think that everyone across the board would agree with that. I really I, I would hope so. Do. <laughs> I really but do. <laughs> you can't be lazy. It actually yeah. requires work. So yeah. You can either do the work now and, and there's a cost to it too, right? You have to, when you're buying foods, even like it may cost more to buy organic or fresh foods. Mm -hmm. um, it may cost more time to schedule exercise and these and going to the yeah. chiropractor and use other lifestyle things. So, you, but you're either going to pay now or pay later. Exactly. So, you want to pay for your surgery down the road and having to recoup from that? Or do you want to make that change now? Exactly. And I mean, I, I can speaking from my own experience, the, making that change sooner than later is far more beneficial for the for the overall journey in addition to whatever happens at that point in time just the experience that you have throughout the journey is far more enjoyable being able to move freely and and just enjoy go go yeah. uh, backpacking for a month or whatever i mean you have to be in shape to do these types of things um, yeah <laughs> so i mean it, it it takes a lot of energy and effort it's not just um manifesting things isn't just about putting it out there and just seeing what happens. I mean, you have to put yes. forth effort. Um, I love that you said that, right? Cause everybody's like, Oh, the secret, like, okay, you, you could want millions of dollars yeah. and a certain kind of lifestyle all you want, <laughs> but if you're not going to do things to get, take the steps to get yourself to achieve that, then yeah. good luck. Yeah, so you, you have to put in the work. You have to take action. You have, you cannot just sit around and do nothing and then expect, I mean, yeah, I guess every once in a while, I mean, people do win the lottery, but, yeah. um, for for the most part, for for ninety nine point nine percent of people, you get, you're gonna have to put in effort to to create change. So yes, um, I I definitely agree with that. Um, so so when it, finishing up with mindfulness, what are some of the things that that you've noticed that created big changes for either you or other people in life? So what would be some things you would recommend for people to incorporate into their life? So as far as mindfulness, I think it's really all a lifestyle like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. and, and a big thing that I teach my patients and my practice members about are the five pillars of health. Mm -hmm. So these are your five foundational key components to functioning and living your, your best life. Number one, proper nutrition, putting healthier foods in your body. So eating the actual rainbow, not the Skittles one, but colorful foods. That's our fuel for our body. Like if you're driving a Lamborghini, you're not putting in regular. You're putting in the premium gas. Yeah. And your car could break down and you could get another one. But we have this car, this temple, and a lot of times we're putting in the regular when we should be putting in the premium. So proper nutrition. The same analogy. <laughs> yeah, right? Proper nutrition. If it lived, walked, or grew, it's probably safe to put in your body. If it sat on the shelf for most of its life, not going to be your best choice, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got proper nutrition. Then we've got adequate motion. That's moving your body. That doesn't mean that you have to have a gym membership. It doesn't mean that you have to make this giant commitment. It just means you have to move. Mm -hmm. So you could take a farther parking spot. You could take the stairs instead of the elevator. Mm -hmm. For me, my commitment with that is I've worked with my fitness trainer, my personal trainer for the last seven and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I pay the man for a minimum of twice a week. Right now in my fourth, my fourth trimester, which is postnatal care, mm -hmm. I'm training three times a week. And I pay someone so that I'm committed to show up. Mm -hmm. 
So we've got proper nutrition, adequate motion. And, and again, on that one, our bodies are designed to move. We are not designed to sit all day long. Yet most of us in 2020 are living that lifestyle. And then we want to know, well, I'm eating the right food, but why are things still breaking mm -hmm. down? Because we're meant to move. Yeah. Proper nutrition, adequate motion, quality rest. That's a big one. Obviously, as a new mom, I am not sleeping straight through the night. And, and I feel that difference. Like, it's mm -hmm. hard. It's yeah. hard to function. You need sleep. That's how your body repairs itself. Yeah. So the hack for sleep is cool, dark, and quiet. You want a cool, dark, and quiet room. You want to remove light. Um, that's going to keep you from going into REM, rapid eye movement, sleep, mm -hmm. which is where deep healing actually happens. So proper nutrition, adequate motion, quality rest, having a positive mental attitude. Yeah. That could be things like prayer, yoga, meditation, however that mindfulness looks like for you. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's really as simple as going to the beach, putting my feet in the sand, listening to a song I like, and just taking a couple breaths. It doesn't have to be this, again, this big event. That yeah. Sometimes people think, like, we have to be healthy. I have to go from this to this. And and that's not realistic. It's right? progressive. Yeah, right. there's steps to it. It doesn't just happen. <laughs> yeah, or even when I'm talking to people about nutrition. I'm not a nutritionist, but, you know, I share some tips and tools with people about we, think we have this concept of, okay, let me take everything away. And what about if we add in first? Like, mm -hmm. just start adding in more salads and vegetables mm -hmm. to every meal. Mm -hmm. And then as your body starts getting more of these nutrients and fiber, you're, you might, you're probably going to start craving those like high sugary, high salty foods mm -hmm. less. So it's like, it doesn't have to be this big giant shift all mm -hmm. at once. So we've got those five pillars we've touched on for proper nutrition, adequate motion, quality rest, having a positive mental attitude. And then my favorite, having a properly functioning nervous system. And so that leads us into chiropractic because what controls every single thing in your body? Mm -hmm. Brain. Yeah. And the brain talks to the body through your spinal cord. And the way that chiropractic works is it's how the brain sends the signals down the spinal cord and then out all the nerves to every organ, every tissue, every cell, and every single body part. Mm -hmm. And so that signal is either going to be flowing freely and come through transmitting sounding like this, or that signal is going to be interfered with due to the chemical, the physical, and the emotional stresses we are exposed to on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, that signal, exactly. this is called the subluxation. When we have a subluxation, it's interference in how well and how clearly the brain and the body communicate, which ultimately affects functionality. Mm -hmm. So all five of those things are just as important. Yet most people think when it comes to health that it just has to do with foods we're eating and moving our body. Yeah. They're all important. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I mean, I can definitely um, attest to that most of my life, I think nutrition and, and adequate motion were, were my focus. And I, and I think when we're, we're younger, we feel like we're invincible. There's no, there's nothing that can stop us. So, um, the, the the quality rest part we kind of just sleep when <laughs> whenever we're we're tired and you sleep and, when you die yeah right <laughs> exactly yeah you know many I've heard that quite a few times and the positive mental attitude is is extremely important I mean I can't um I can't stress that enough uh, to to people uh, it doesn't matter how old you are you can that is the the easiest thing you can fix right away is how you that that mental self talk that we go through um and so but look, so sometimes let's talk about that because sometimes people are like well that's fake. You know, fake until you make it. It's not real. But the thing is, what you think about, you bring about. And what mm -hmm. you focus on expands. Exactly. So if you're focusing on this negativity, guess what you tend to constantly draw into your life? More of that because mm -hmm. you're looking for it. Yeah, exactly. P what would be the worst thing that would happen if you tried this experiment out for 30 days where you just focused on the positive instead? Mm -hmm. I think every single person across the board would be surprised at what yeah, they find. 100%. 100% agree with you. Um, so, so shifting a little bit um, to more to specifically your chiropractic care, can you take people through the, a little bit of a process that 
what 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 it what happens the first time they come in how, how do you start with people and how, how does that whole whole process go Sure. So every office is different. I'll just share with you what, what happens in our practice. Um, we are very much results driven. So there's the subjective and the objective piece. So like the subjective is, you know, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what's going on. But the objective piece is what is your body actually telling us? Mm-hmm. So I'll just use pain as an example. Like if someone might be like, okay, well, I have this lower back pain here, but the problem may be coming from this top bone in the body here. There's no way for us to know unless we go through in our office, we do a detailed case history to see, you know, what are your past chemical, physical, and emotional stresses that brought you to this point. Um, And then we do a physical exam where we look at range of motion, muscle tone, all these other things. Um, A lot of our patients we take x-ray on and we do a four-view motion study so we could Mm -hmm. see what's moving and not moving, what's working and not working, where specifically the problem areas are coming from so we can understand where, why do you have this symptomatology. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, they may not have those symptoms yet, but how is this going to affect future functionality and, and how do we help? stop the degenerative process for people. Um, And then what will happen is our patients then come back for a follow-up visit where we go over those findings. So everything that we see, we're going to sit down and explain that with Mm -hmm. you. And then you have the choice whether or not, now that you have all the information, if you'd like to start with a chiropractic care program. So my office is not the office where you're coming in for one visit. That would be like you hiring me as your fitness trainer to do one workout with the expectation that you are going to now lose 10 pounds. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. There's offices that do operate that way, and that's fine if someone's looking specifically for that. We are very big on the patient education piece so that people understand that if we can actually shift what's going on with the structural alignment, with the functionality of your body, then you can affect actual changes on health, Mm -hmm. long-term quality of life, and potentially quantity of life as well. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, I also understand that your practice is a family practice. You see adults mm-hmm. and children. Uh, how yeah. did you find the niche of pediatric and pregnancy chiropractic care? So it's just because I love them. <laughs> I wanted to spend <laughs> time with them. That's a perfect reason. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I studied extra courses in that. In fact, I was just at a conference two weeks ago. My, my, my baby and my husband came along so that I could nice. go and learn more um, because you know I'm a lifelong student. I think any of us in the health industry and really in any industry – our lifelong students, if we want to be better at what we do. Exactly. Yeah. You have to right? keep learning or be yeah, open to so, learning. Exactly. And I want to touch on that because when I'm working with babies, like my son was adjusted a few minutes of being born. Like mm-hmm. he was brand new into the world and, it, and he had his first chiropractic adjustment. And some people freak out, like they're picturing in their head that this child getting an adjustment the same way an adult does, <laughs> or maybe they're hearing that sound and they're like, Oh my God, it is so not like that. Mm-hmm. We're working with babies and kids. It's actually pressures and it's, it's no more pressure than you'd put on a ripe tomato before it starts to indent mm-hmm. um, because not a lot of force is required versus if I'm working on like some dude in his 30s who's a bodybuilder, I'm going to need a different amount of force yeah, than if right. I'm working on a newborn, right? <laughs> exactly. And same thing goes if I have a 90-year-old osteoporotic woman, she's not going to have the same force as if I'm working on you. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that's really where the past history and all those factors come into play. And that's why it's so important to have an examination. And so it's interesting because sometimes patients will, people will call potential new patient and they'll say, Hey, I'm calling. I want, I want to be adjusted that day. We don't, we don't do that mm-hmm. because we don't know what's going on yet. Yeah, and I you mean, know, that's a liability up, for you, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. And it's really interesting because sometimes it's, you know, what people are used to or what they've experienced in the past. And there are yeah. offices that do operate that way. And, you know, there's not something wrong with that. If that's how the provider feels comfortable operating, it's not how we feel comfortable operating because we want to look at the big picture. Exactly. And, and, and you might just that, um, 
what methodology of treatment it just might not be meet somebody else's expectations because you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna be for everybody just like i'm not gonna totally. be for everybody i mean people have to find the provider for them um what what we believe and what we think isn't necessarily even though we we may know what we say we know um yeah. that's not somebody else's reality that's not necessarily what they're looking for so totally and and i think it's fair to meet people where they're at you know when i first got out of school i'm doing this almost 12 years now i was like everybody needed to be my patient <laughs> and i'm the best and i can heal the world and i was i was in a different space mm -hmm. whereas now i'm kind of like okay i know what i know yeah. i know i have something that can greatly help pretty much everybody. Yeah. But if they're not ready for it, as long as I did my part where I explained to them, like, here's where you're at. Here's what a game plan would look like. Here's the cost. What do you want to do? If they say no, that's on them. Yeah. And I can remove myself. I can detach myself from that outcome because I've done all that I could do mm -hmm. as a provider without vomiting it on them and throwing it down, yeah, their, exactly. down their throat versus, you know, and, and I think that's important too for health is that people have to feel empowered. Like they because it doesn't work otherwise. Yeah. They're going to be required to do some sort of work. Absolutely. It, just like, exactly. So that person that's calling on the phone just wanting to get adjusted today, you know that's not going to be the right fit for your practice because it's got to be somebody that is willing to make a commitment to come in on a regular basis. And I, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. <laughs> Obviously, that's why I know. I mean, you have to make a time commitment, whether however many times a week that you come up with for an extent, for whatever period of time that you come up with, I mean, that's the only way you're going to see real results. And then you move into the, like, your, your next stage of treatment, basically. Totally. And, and there's exceptions to that also. You know, like when yeah. we're working with, when I, when, it, when I have a newborn or a baby coming in, they'll, they'll probably getting their adjustment on that initial visit. A lot of times my pregnant women, same thing. There are some patients that we will adjust on that visit. But if mm -hmm. we're doing things where we need to actually sit down and analyze the findings, like, for example, taking x-rays, and I'm not going to just wing it. You know, mm -hmm. we got to actually take the time to really if we want to best help the patient, then we have to put that work in. Mm -hmm. But there are exceptions to every rule with that. And so, and I have no problem. Like I've referred to my colleagues down the street from me and I, I'm not the kind of provider that's like, no, if they don't come to me, well, then I'm not going to help them. Like I will, we will help people find the right fit for them. Like mm -hmm. that's not a problem. The, the, the problem is when people aren't finding the right fit. Yeah. And I know, just like you said, I'm not the right fit for everybody. Just like everybody's not the right fit for us too. You know, we've just like people have fired us from being their provider. We've fired patients from <laughs> from being in our practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so we have a, a little over ten minutes. I want to get to some of these questions that that we are asking or that people had been asking. Um, the Webster technique. Um, mm -hmm. I know I mentioned that before. What is the Webster technique? So a lot of people will seek, will seek our office out for the Webster technique when they're let's say, for example, their baby's in a breech position. Mm -hmm. And I want to be really clear that the Webster technique is not a breech turning technique. That's the practice of obstetrics. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is it's a pelvic and sacral analysis. The sacrum is a bone in the middle of the pelvis. And it actually could be done on any weight-bearing individual. But there's a second part of it where we balance the muscles and the ligaments in the pregnant woman. So what it does is it helps create more space in the pelvis and in the body where oftentimes if a baby is in a breech position, it may affect that outcome. And so a lot of women will come seek us out specifically because we are certified in that technique mm -hmm. and it has phenomenal results in that regard. And so a lot of pregnant women will come see us for that. And this is a check, like I said, we could do this on any weight bearing individual, but it's not necessarily something that you wanna wait till, like I have moms sometimes coming in, average pregnancies go up to about 40 weeks, mm -hmm. coming in at like weeks 
38 where their babies, for example, in a breech position, they're like, okay, they're going to induce me on next week unless this baby turns. And it's like, I can't sit here and tell you we're going to turn that baby because that's not what we're doing. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's more, it's a greater benefit for, excuse me, especially pregnant women to be having their checkups throughout their entire pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it creates more balance in the pelvis. It creates more balance in the bony structure of the sacrum, along with the muscles and the ligaments in the surrounding areas which allows for more ease. And if you think about the birth process, and this is whether someone's choosing to have a cesarean section or a vaginal birth, medicated or completely natural, that the, the more properly aligned that space is, how much more ease do you think that labor is going to have? Yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, labor still work, right? <laughs> but don't you want to create the best possible outcome? And then it's just as important for that postnatal checkup because now you've got all these hormones coursing through your body. Mm-hmm. You've got relaxin, which is... Um, created more ligament laxity in the body yeah, coursing yeah. through and like how do we get the body into a healing phase quicker mm-hmm. beautiful um th- now that's um amazing information for women because i mean you're going to go through the process anyways right <laughs> you might as well make it easier <laughs> too late now <laughs> um so another one of the questions that somebody had asked about insurance covering um chiropractic care um, so c- can you explain a little bit about that do you do you guys accept sure. insurance at the office how does that work we do. I would say most of our patients are self-pay. We are mm-hmm. an out-of-network provider. Um, so it really depends on your benefits, but it also depends on your findings. So mm-hmm. if someone's coming in and they have what what the insurance company would consider to be medically necessary, then that is something that we can bill out for. Mm-hmm. But for a patient that's coming in for general wellness care um, as a proactive approach, most insurance companies are not covering that as part of their wellness plan mm-hmm. at the chiropractic office. And that's why a lot of our patients end up being self-pay because mm-hmm. it's non—it's what they consider to be non-covered services. Yeah. Now, you and I both know that this is essential to overall functionality and yeah. health. So regardless if we feel that it should or shouldn't be covered, it just is what it is. Yeah. Um, so again, every office is different. Um, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, I have to see someone who's in my insurance plan. And I understand that if that's the case, your best bet's going to be to go online to your specific insurance company mm-hmm. um, and see who they list as the network providers on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you can go online and research the offices and call them and see if it's the right fit. Um, because, again, I'm in a profession where we're touching people. It's a very it's kind of like this, not in an intimate way, but it's an intimate experience as yeah, far yeah. as healing's concerned. No, absolutely. So um, you got to feel comfortable with the office you're going to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and are there any misconceptions or f- false beliefs that surrounding that are surrounding chiropractic care that you'd like to point sure. out or, or discuss? There's lots of preconceived misconceptions about chiropractic care. Mm-hmm. I would say the most common one is that we're just a treatment of pain. Mm-hmm. It's such a small piece of what we do because it really is overall body functionality. When you get the body, when you get the brain from a neurological standpoint, when you have the brain more clearly communicating with the parts of the body through the nervous system, brain, spinal cord, and the nerves, the control center of everything else in the body, then the body has no choice but to function better. Mm-hmm. So this notion and this concept that we're for neck pain, back pain, headaches, migraines, and sciatica. Yes, we can work with those. But again, it's such a small piece of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, less than 20% of the nerve fibers transmit pain. The other 80 plus percent has to do with functionality in the mm-hmm. body. It's your heart beating, your toes moving, your lungs breathing, your poop coming out of your colon, all yeah. of those things. Yeah. So, you know, that's the biggest miscon- misconception. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one that people tell me is like, I heard once you go, you have to go forever. And no, you, the, everything's optional, right? But mm-hmm. like, 
if you understood why you were going in the first place, you'd never choose to stop. Yeah. Kind of like you're never going to want to not eat healthy. You're never going to want to not move your body. You may not want to do those things, but you'll still choose to. Yeah. Hi, Melissa. You'll still choose to do those things because you understand that it affects how your body functions. And when mm-hmm. you're functioning better, there's a less likelihood for developing dis-ease, which is, leads to a less likelihood of having diagnosable disease and disorders in the body, which means an overall improved quality and potentially quantity of life as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, great answer. Thank you. Um, so if someone wanted to improve their posture, what, what's something, a couple of things you maybe recommend for them? Um, first thing is have a neurological assessment at the chiropractor because mm-hmm. if there's a disconnect in that brain-body connection, it's going to be that much harder to retrain the body how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of postural exercises that you could do. For most people, they're stuck in flexion. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it has to do with strengthening the extensor muscles, mm-hmm. which are going to be through more of like your, your pull movements mm-hmm. and stretching the pull muscles, the, the flexor muscles. So flex, um, sorry, stretching like the pectoralis yeah. area, for example, and strengthening the posterior delts, strengthening mm-hmm. the lats, the rhomboids, anything that's going to be more of your pull movement. See, we're so focused on push, mm-hmm. like push-ups, um, because we could see the front. You can yeah. actually see the push movements, but <laughs> it's the pull movements that are going to kind of bring us back. Yeah. And just being more mindful about you know ergonomics in the workspace. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there's I can't answer that question in a minute. Yeah, of course. But <laughs> but but being more mindful of that process of you know. What does normal look like? Mm-hmm. And how do you get back to that, putting in the work, consciously being aware of that, and then also coupling it with all those other things we talked about. Mm-hmm. And, but and until you set that, that brain-body connection, allow for more free flow there, it's harder to reset that in the system. Makes sense. Um, and, and what would you say are some of the most profound results you've uh, witnessed with people from chiropractic care? So I always like to share either Christina or Maria's story. I know I shared it last time, but I'm going to share it real quick again. Mm-hmm. Um, Christina came in to see me at, she was eight years old and she was brought in because she was having, um, chronic constant migraines. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not normal for an eight year old. In fact, that's not normal for a 30 or 40 year old either. A lot of times people are like, you know, I have the normal, the usual headaches. No. Like, why is that happening? It's actually not normal. It may be normal. It may be typical for you, but it's not normal. Mm -hmm. So eight years old having migraines. Um, I put an ad in a parenting magazine down here. Her mom had no idea that kids could go to the chiropractor and they came in to see me as a last resort. Mm -hmm. And this is what I hear so often from people is like, I tried everything. I'm coming in as a last resort. And it's like, in my mind, drugs and surgery would be the last resort. I would like to do the most conservative (laughs) thing first, which is where chiropractic comes into play. And then if that's not working for you, then we take the next step, which would be, you know, medications. And then the next step, which would be surgery. Mm -hmm. Again, not an emergency situation. Like I want to be clear on that. Um, So she's having migraines and they were talking about putting her on on some pretty heavy duty medication. Her parents are like, we don't want to do that. So we're here as a last resort. What can we do? Mm -hmm. We take our x-ray. It's normal to have... um, a lordotic curve, a cervical curve in the neck that looks like a banana facing this way. Christina had a reversal of her curve. Mm -hmm. And as we're doing her case history, it turns out that she had torticollis when she was born, which is almost like if you had like a wry neck where you ever woke up with that stiff neck where you're kind of stuck, that's essentially what, how a torticollis presents. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times it happens in the birth process, even in vaginal birth, because there's pulling or pushing in that area. Remember, I talked about how how mild that pressure is that we use when we're doing an adjustment, but in a birth, a lot of times there's tractioning in through there. Mm -hmm. And so it really affects the structural alignment of the top bones in the neck, the atlas and the axis, those top two bones where the brainstem sits, and a lot of musculature attaches in through there. So it can affect 
structural alignment and functionality in the body. Um, so Christina shows up at eight and she had been doing physical therapy for those eight years. And, and I'm really thankful that she did because it helped her make huge progress, but there's still something missing. Um, and when we started adjusting her, I mean, it was her atlas, that top bone was severely subluxated. It was far off from where, where it should be, um, aligned. And so when we started correcting that, it was after three visits, her dad actually came in and he's like, what'd you do to my daughter? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, she's an eight year old kid again. You know, children have this energy, this vibrancy to them. And when you're, when you're eight year old, it's like having their dimmer switch turned all the way down. Mm -hmm. That's not how children show up in the world. Yeah. And so it was an immediate shift. And what's funny about Christina is that on her initial visit, we ask all of our patients, how often do you poop? So it's me, Christina and her mom, she's eight years old. And I asked her, well, how often do you poop? And she was very proud. She sat there and she said, Wednesday. And her mom's like, what? And I, you know, keeping my doctor face Just on. Just so you know, we you got know? like a minute, so. Okay. Anyway, Christina starts getting adjusted. She goes from pooping once a week to every single day. Uh-huh. We, we, the reverse curve in her neck switched back to normal positioning. Um, she no longer has a headache. She's not on any medication. She's now greater than 11 years old, comes in for wellness care, and now she wants to be a chiropractor, which I think is the coolest part of the story. <laughs> that is awesome. That is, no, no, that really is a, a fantastic story, um, especially someone so young seeing such profound results. So in in that case so quickly too um but uh real quick i do want to we have to finish up because i have about just over a minute left here um quick recap of your business and where you're located sure you could find us online at favoritechiropractor.com you can also follow us at dr jenna d-o-c-t-o-r-g-e-n-a um we're on instagram facebook or google you can find us on there we've got lots of videos and information also on youtube if you're looking for this information in different categories. Um, or if you have any questions, feel free to DM or private Absolutely. message us so we could get that out to you. And we are in plantation serving the South Florida area. And again, we're at favoritechiropractor.com. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you again for coming on again, Jenna. Um, you can see all previous episodes on YouTube, The Art of Mindful Medicine. You can also check out my website, www.mindful.doctor. Um, the Art of Mindful Medicine is on Saturdays at noon. Um, And we are wrapping up right now. So I appreciate you all coming out here and watching. Much, much, much gratitude. Um, And as always, I end with a quote. And this is from someone that Jenna will probably know, BJ Palmer. Um, We we never know how far far reaching reaching something something we may think, think, say, or do do will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. tomorrow. It's my favorite quote. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So thank you again for coming, everybody. Stay awesome. Stay mindful. Jenna, thank you again. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. Thanks for having me. Bye, guys. Of course. Bye-bye.